Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megyn Kelly. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. Audio of former President Donald Trump talking about the Iran attack plan that Mark Milley allegedly handed to him is now public. You remember they've been talking about this. CNN has been conspicuously breaking the news each time around this tape. Obviously, somebody's leaking to them. Um, and now we've actually got the tape. Uh, CNN played it last night. We'll play it for you in a moment. Donald Trump's critics and others suggesting this is it. This really is the smoking gun. They've got Trump dead to rights on possessing a document he did not have the right to possess. We'll talk about it uh, in just a minute. Plus, new ridiculous attempts to defend Hunter Biden and President Joe Biden from people like Anna Navarro on The View, literally almost in tears over what's being done to this poor family (laughs) by those mean, mean people who want to know whether they're corrupt and accepted bribes. So much to get to today. I'm super glad to be joined, as always, by John Ashbrook, Michael Duncan, Josh Holmes, and the man known to his minions as Comfortably Smug. Together, they are ruthless. Now on YouTube, too. And look at our friends. Look at our friends who you can find huh? at YouTube.com slash Ruthless Podcast. <laughs> it looks like Meet the Press. This is such an impressive this, huh? set, you guys. <laughs> We're all grown up. Yeah, well done. I like this. So you got Holmes over there at third base. Uh, then you got Smug right next to you. You got is that Duncan there and Ashbrook on over on? I, I'm trying to see actually because it's like teeny tiny in my feedback. And then Duncan. Anyway, great, great <laughs> to see you guys all grown up and looking very professional, very prof. Except very for kind. your sweatshirts and your baseball caps and your sunglasses. <laughs> other than those things, <laughs> nailing it. Uh, okay, let's let's kick it off with Hunter Biden, because today I think the New York Post has a very interesting piece. Uh, it's it's by the Post editorial board. And it, the headline is freeze the Hunter Biden plea deal until we know who lied. This is a very good point. You know, Hunter Biden copped a plea to his many tax infringements and breaking of the tax laws, as well as uh, the gun situation where he applied for a gun and lied about not having a drug problem, Uh, misdemeanor, slap on the wrist, probation deal, anybody else, I believe, based on the lawyers I've looked at, I've heard it both ways, but the the ones I trust have said, actually, most of us would be in prison if, if they had charged what he actually did. And that's what the whistleblowers are saying about him, too, from the IRS who have come forward saying any civilian would have been charged with multiple felonies for what this guy did. Well, now this is an interesting twist on the whole thing. Now, one of the things the whistleblowers are saying uh, is say, uh, is that they were told by the, the U.S. attorney, David Weiss, 
who was investigating Hunter Biden, uh, that they that these whistleblowers were told and at least uh, five others were told that Weiss said he did not have authority to charge Hunter Biden anywhere outside of Delaware and that he was denied special counsel status. Now, that's very interesting because all the stuff we're most in, most interested in, the stuff outside of the tax laws, the stuff outside of the, the gun violations, the corruption charges, those would have occurred down in Washington, D.C. So in order to pursue charges, you would need the ability to charge outside of Delaware. And this guy, alleged, allegedly from the whistleblowers, told a whole staff full of people, I haven't been given that authority. I'm not allowed to charge outside of Delaware. So the reason this is so interesting is because the attorney general of the United States, Merrick Garland, as recently as Friday, said the following, quoting here, David Weiss was allowed to, quote, continue his investigation and make a decision to prosecute any way in which he wanted and in any district in which he wanted. So Garland saying he was a true special counsel, he could have charged any crime anywhere he wanted to. And according to the whistleblower in a meeting with some six people, David Weiss said, that's not true. I was specifically told I could not charge outside of Delaware. And the suggestion is that's why we're not seeing anything against Hunter Biden on the real substance of the corruption allegations against him, which dovetails nicely with what the whistleblower said previously, which is that he was getting shut down at every turn by the attorney general's office on any attempt to even look into those allegations or Joe Biden's connection to them. This is The New York Post now adding to it, saying there is not a chance in hell this judge, because the judge has to approve the plea deal that David Weiss struck with Hunter Biden. There's not a chance in hell this judge should do that until we can figure out who the hell is lying about this investigation. What do you guys think of it? No, I mean, look, that's a massive discrepancy, a huge inconsistency there between the attorney general and what was conveyed by a U.S. attorney. And remember, I mean, the background of this is actually pretty important, is that the U.S. attorney in charge of Delaware was the one holdover mm -hmm. from the Trump administration. They have all Biden U.S. attorneys across the country, except for Delaware. And the thought process on that was at the very beginning, they would try to get out beyond uh, any reasonable sort of hometown favor or anything that could that potentially be alleged as an indiscretion against anybody prosecuting or not prosecuting Hunter Biden. But if they told this guy that he can't actually do anything outside of what was happening in Delaware, and then on the other hand, the attorney general saying, no, 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 they had full discretion. That seems to me to be something that Jamie Comer and his committee are going to probably get to the bottom of. Because all right, remember, mm -hmm. beyond the, what the plea deal was that we heard about last week, we have, wouldn't know any of this stuff if it wasn't for the House Oversight Committee. Mm -hmm. And that right. WhatsApp message, for example, all of that stuff, the, the payments that Smug always talks about from the various Chinese uh, entities to nine members of the Biden family, all of that stuff has come through congressional oversight. None of that stuff has been disclosed by DOJ. Now, you don't expect them in the course of a of an investigation to be disclosing everything that they come across. But when they well, say they, they did during the Donald Trump out, investigation. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think that's also a really good point. And I think, you know, Josh is right. That's a very critical point to make is what they had hoped to happen is they could set up a sweetheart deal for the president's son and no one would notice. The one wrinkle in their plan was Republicans took the House. 
That wasn't supposed to happen. They had three years of basically being left unchecked where Hunter, uh, we were told that it was Russian disinformation <laughs> that he committed any kind of a crime. When we have video on it and you and people are getting banned from social media for posting anything, which was, you know, who do you trust? The, your lying eyes, the media, who do you trust in that situation? And I think this has become very clear that when you have a situation that there are two sides to this coin, one is Hunter and his lawyer and the other is, you know, the attorney general who works for his father. How is that a fair situation? We're seeing exactly a result of that. Here's two things I wanted to tell you. Um, Ted Cruz on his podcast, Verdict, The Verdict, which is good. I, I enjoy it. Um, he was saying yesterday, don't be fooled into this whole, oh, um, you know, David Weiss was a Trump administration appointee. He points out that, he, yes, out of Delaware. And in order to get that appointment, even under a Republican president, you'd have to have the blessing of both state senators, which are who are Democrats in Delaware. So he's saying, yes, it, it, the guy might have been palatable to the Trump administration, but there's only so, so reasonable he could be in the eyes of at least people who have a more conservative jurisprudence um, because he had to get a blessing from, you know, people who are on on, you know, of the left. So that was an interesting point, which I had forgotten about. Um, secondly, Yes, they the DOJ, the same DOJ, which, you know, has has been so tight lipped about any Hunter Biden leaks leaked on Trump right from the beginning. You know, how did The New York <laughs> Times know the raid was happening? How did everybody know that? Right. Like they've been leaking over and over. And except one thing that they haven't leaked, which is very interesting, is, you know, if you read the indictment, it talks about the, the terrible nuclear secrets that Trump has been hoarding down at Mar-a-Lago. Well, where, why haven't they leaked? Why? I mean, yes, mm -hmm. you're not going to tell exactly all of our nuclear, but they would have gotten more specific <laughs> in the leaks if they had something that really made them look bad. They would. Mm -hmm. they, they've proven that. And the fact that they just want to scare us with the rhetoric that's being used tells me they're trying to sort of amp it up. If they really had a dead to rights document, they would have leaked it. It would have been leaked to CNN. It would have been leaked to Maggie Haberman. We would know more specifically without actually compromising our secrets what exactly they had. So this DOJ is is up in it up to their necks. Here's the last point, and then I'll give it back to you guys. Via the Code of Federal Regulations, express special prosecutor jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of a special counsel shall be established by the attorney general. And then it goes on. If in the course of his investigation, the special counsel concludes that additional jurisdiction beyond the specified jurisdiction um, in the original uh, jurisdiction provided to him is necessary, he shall consult with the attorney general who will determine whether to include the additional matters within the special counsel's jurisdiction or assign them elsewhere. So, you know, Merrick Garland is saying, I told this guy he could take this in any direction he wanted and he could prosecute in any district in which he wanted to, thus having the same effect as a special counsel. And now it appears that isn't true. So the question is, what should happen? Kevin McCarthy suggesting yesterday, maybe we're going to impeach Merrick Garland. If, if he's the one lying, he, he might get impeached. And if he wasn't lying, then it just proves this guy, David Weiss, lied to a group full of people and half asked the investigation. Yeah, <laughs> no question about it. I mean, this is this is the core of the issue, because I, ultimately it's one thing about Hunter Biden. And you got him on tax and a, and a federal gun charge. The problem is where this ultimately leads. Right, Duncan? I mean, this is what we've talked about. Well, if you look at, at that decision, uh, this plea deal with Hunter Biden, they, you know, we've talked about on the show that they also discuss in there that there is an ongoing investigation. And a cynic might look at that and say, well, 
you know, if there's an ongoing investigation that's related to all these other potential crimes, that's going to seal those records so that people can actually see everything that is there in evidence. But I guess it's also possible that those things are yet to come, right? But again, back to the whole point of taking the House, it's like none of this would really come to light in the first place if it wasn't for Kevin McCarthy and 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 Comer putting out things like the WhatsApp, you know, message, <laughs> you know, I mean, like we would have no idea where this was going. And if you read that WhatsApp message where Hunter Biden clearly says to this Chinese businessman, like he he does it the way I talk to my toddler when I count to five for him to eat his dinner. <laughs> Like, he's like, I am here with my father. Like, I need an answer now from you. He's he's like, he's like typing out in case anybody wants to know I'm extorting and committing a crime right now. And I'm sitting next to the former <laughs> vice president of the United States. Like, how did that not come out before? And we have, you know, obviously Jamie Comer to thank for that. Well, I'm sure that the media was working really hard to uncover. They seem like they were busting their tails, don't they? Just really <laughs> giving it all they had. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. The, the, well, the thing I mean, this is like this stinks to high heaven because there's been a lot of pressure on on the attorney general to appoint a special counsel in the first place to investigate Hunter Biden to make sure and Joe Biden and this whole thing to make sure that they didn't really um, have you know, that there was a, a level of independence to actually look into this. And then Garland's trying to reassure people saying he was basically a special counsel like he wasn't exactly. But I gave him full authority. <laughs> to charge this guy and investigate this case in any jurisdiction in the United States, including Washington, D.C., which is where he allegedly did all the bad, the really bad stuff um, that we're talking about here, the corruption stuff. Um, and yet it doesn't appear to be true. And in fact, the the whistleblower goes on to say that the Biden appointed D.C. U.S. attorney and the, the guy for D.C., Matthew Graves, specifically said Weiss may not charge in my district. He was like, no, he mm. said would, he would not allow Weiss to a charge in his district. And there was testimony that uh, Weiss was turned down in other districts as well, according to the whistleblower. So Weiss was having real trouble getting any other prosecutor to help him out, because if he didn't have the authority to charge in another district, he needed the help of the sitting federal prosecutors in those districts. And it looks like at every turn they were giving him the middle finger, despite Merrick Garland's uh, testimony on, under oath that he allowed it. So which is it? I mean, that's exactly the point. And it also explains why Weiss would tell investigators that ultimately he can't go down that road. I mean, if he's actually requested to make, you know, some kind of charges within anybody else's district and was denied. Yeah, I mean, he's, his hands are sort of tied. I think the biggest issue here, you're right that Garland, whether or not any of this was true, is like the core of the issue. But ultimately, it's about where it leads. And you have to believe that the Jamie Comer evidence that he has uncovered was known to DOJ. I mean, if they right. did even just a cursory uh, search through WhatsApp and text messages or whatever, they would have stumbled upon the same thing the Oversight Committee did. And ultimately what that says, and now we've learned from the from the Washington Examiner that Joe Biden was actually in the same house as Hunter Biden when that uh, uh, WhatsApp message suggesting that they were together happened, um, it means that the president of the United States has a much, much, much bigger thing to answer here for than whatever Hunter Biden's tax crimes might be. Because yeah. you remember, it, it's not just misleading the American people, lying to the American people about your involvement in foreign business dealings, saying you were never involved in Hunter Biden's business. All that stuff is just sort of rhetorical. This is about also financial disclosures that you make as a president of the United States. There's a whole bunch of like big ticket issues that if you are lying on, 
there are actual legal ramifications for, in addition to the tax issues, whatever they may be. Right. So I, I think that this thing ballooned pretty quickly beyond anything that they could have imagined the tax implications of Hunter Biden quickly. And they try to put a top on it. I, I, there's no other explanation for me as to how it just sort of stopped with Hunter. And I think that's especially important because for so long, you've had folks on the left and the media carrying the message of, oh, well, I didn't vote for Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is not you know, the president of the United States. This is no longer a Hunter Biden issue. This is a Joe Biden issue. We now yeah, have right. we've had evidence that he had the keys to the office that Hunter Biden is operating this influence peddling scheme out of. We now have evidence that he's in the room while his son is is demanding that a Chinese national wire the money immediately. And he promises, if you don't send me the money, me and my father will remember and we will come down on you for it. This is like, you know, <laughs> if you're tapping Tony Soprano. <laughs> his, his lawyer was like, hey, no, he was on crack. Yeah, I mean, he was on crack. Yeah. He can't listen to anything. He was, he was cracked up. And we also well, have and a record the, the, Being on crack, of course, on. doesn't ex excuse anything. But I right. will say in Joe Biden's defense, it is possible that Joe Biden was upstairs in the shower and Hunter sure. Biden was downstairs on the couch like, yo, my dad's right next to me. You know, like he's right here. Like, I don't put too much stock in Hunter Biden. You know, he, he might have just said it to threaten them because he knew his word was absolutely fucking useless. And so it was like, my daddy's here. Him, you need to care about. That is that is a possibility. Um, but it's we should know. Let's probe it. Let's figure out. We don't nobody's even asked. And so far, we just get Joe Biden kind of smirking and laughing at us like this is all made up. Go ahead, Michael. I interrupt but there's, you. There, there's a precedent for this sort of behavior, because I agree with Megan. We talked about this on the show in the last episode. Like, look, he could have just been pretending that Joe Biden was sitting there next to him so he could try to you know, get this thing done. But go back to when he was sitting on the board of that Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma, and Joe Biden is on tape talking about withholding aid to Ukraine because of this prosecutor who happened to be investigating the company that his son sits on the board of, right? Yeah. And so you have a demonstration of previous behavior in which Joe Biden and Hunter Biden colluded to try to impact a political decision. Also, by the way, they impeached Donald Trump for doing pretty much the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's wild. The, and also um, you have separate points of data that you can look at to put this whole case together, which is becoming increasingly clear that what's happening here is an independent independently. The United States Treasury puts out suspicious activity report saying that nine members of the Biden family are having money wired to them from China. Is that just a, a <laughs> random coincidence that, OK, well, thing. this guy is sending messages to Chinese nationals trying to extort them. And then millions of dollars start getting wired from China. It's like, what, did you just win the lottery except in China? That's it's just yeah. random coincidence. And, and, then, no, and then, like then Hunter Biden got that $5 million within 10 days of that WhatsApp exactly. message. That's pretty incriminating. That's a pretty good fact if you want to go after him and say that message did happen and uh, they were up to no good. Now, I wanted to, to say, um, we'll correct one thing I said, the Garland statements were not under oath. They were from a DOJ presser. Take a listen to how Merrick Garland characterized all this on Friday when he was responding to some of these whistleblower allegations. OK, this is Biden. As I said at the outlet, Mr. David Weiss, who was appointed by President Trump as the U.S. attorney in Delaware and assigned to this matter during a previous administration, would be permitted to continue his investigation and make a decision to prosecute any way in which he wanted and in any district in which he wanted to. Then he goes on to say this. I don't know how it would be possible for anybody to block him from bringing a prosecution 
given that he had that he has this authority. He was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. So he's saying he could not have been blocked from bringing a prosecution. This is Garland saying this and the whistleblower saying exactly the opposite, that they were told uh, he, the whistleblower and several others, Baltimore FBI special agent in charge, assistant special agent in charge, another woman, uh, an IRS special agent in charge, Sean, we, uh, he goes down, he names them, that they were all told by this guy Weiss, he lacked authority to charge Hunter Biden outside of Delaware and was denied. But okay, so there is a, di- a direct diversion there. I just wanted to make sure people understand there's no question that there's a split between what the whistleblower is saying actually happened and what Merrick Garland is saying actually happened. Hence the calls now for this federal judge to not approve this plea deal until we figure it out. That that conversation and the WhatsApp thing, I think, would have happened in Delaware. But the stuff in D.C., which is outside of David Weiss's jurisdiction, according to the whistleblower, includes um, Hunter was apparently living in D.C. when the issues with the foreign income from Burisma um, took place and the scheme to evade his income taxes mm-hmm. also took place. So D- D.C. is relevant among potentially other jurisdictions. Uh, it just gets more and more complicated. And honestly, you're right. If the if the Republicans hadn't eked out that victory, guys, we would know none of this because the press none of which usually are the mm-hmm. ones to sniff this kind of stuff out, has zero interest in this story still, even today. And what you ask yourself, why? Well, you know, because they're all Democrats. And you know that if Hunter Biden were a Republican, if Joe Biden were a Republican, that the press would have been all over this in the lead up to the investigation. And if these if the investigation wasn't going in the direction strong enough, you know, the press would be holding Department of Justice accountable. I mean, we've talked about this endlessly on the show. It's one of the most demoralizing aspects to the press right now is that they are their bias. What has been biased for years is just getting worse and worse and worse. We had to talk for two years about a meeting in Trump Tower that Don Jr. happened to be in. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, the other thing is, though, sourcing. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean the, the part of the problem we found with Russiagate and everything else after five years of ruining our country over it is that the FBI, mem- people in the FBI, people in the intel services were actively providing the press information that turned out not to be the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what we're seeing here is that there is no interest, right? I mean, the same time we're getting all kinds of audio leaks of Donald Trump, we're not seeing any leaks of anything pertaining to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And you again, why? Yeah, you look at how they frame these Hunter Biden stories. It's Republicans pounce on latest mm-hmm. Hunter Biden activity. It's not it's not that Hunter Biden did something wrong. And then when they talk about his guilty plea, it's like Oh, it's all over here. Yeah, this, yeah, right. This 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 uh, hurts the Republican claim that there are two systems of justice. And like, well, meanwhile, it, it, all, this all of has it come is out Democrat since the guilty plea. This, this these whistleblowers have come out since the guilty plea. The WhatsApp message. All of this is happening because these whistleblowers are pissed off at what yeah, what was done. Right. They're telling us the truth about what led up to these guilty pleas and how inept they are, how insufficient they are, given the evidence the IRS had against him. Um, in the in the lane charged and in others. And you're exactly right, because the, the, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. The, the press, Claire McCaskill on MSNBC, Nick Kristoff of The New York Times, all trying to push this into Hunter's drug problem. This is all about mm. that. Does, that's not an excuse. <laughs> that doesn't excuse no. criminality in any lane. But here we go. We got more of it from Anna Navarro on The View. Listen to this person. The Hunter Biden story the scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. 
And Joe Biden has <laughs> never and will never give up on his son, son Hunter, and will never treat him lesser than. And so he is a father first. Take it or leave it. Yes, yes. Serving, serving on Ukrainian natural gas boards, <laughs> smoking crack with prostitutes, and throwing guns into school zones. There, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? But then he's that he shows up at a state dinner, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is it? Yeah. You can't simultaneously say that this son of mine is deeply troubled and has all kinds of things in his life that's regrettable and you know unfortunately that's his problem and then have him show up in beijing with you during the course of your your vice presidency show up on ukrainian boards during the course of your vice presidency and then when you become president he's the bell of the ball at every state dinner it's it's what smug Mm -hmm. often talks about on the show that this isn't about hypocrisy we obviously know it's hypocrisy but it's it's hierarchy they want to they're laughing in our faces this Mm -hmm. is a guy who's being accused of influence peddling in foreign countries and taking money from China, taking money from this corrupt Ukrainian gas company and all of this sort of stuff. And he's showing up at official events with foreign dignitaries in front of us. They're laughing at us. Yeah, yeah. You That's just can't, what she I mean, was actually I, commenting on. Anna Navarro was re- responding to the blowback against Biden for in- including Hunter Biden in the state dinner. Like, they don't care. That just shows his love for his son. You can love your <laughs> child and still recognize it would be inappropriate, given the circumstances, to bring him to something that is not your private party. It's not your private party, Joe Biden. It's our party. It's the United States. It's America. And Hunter Biden should not have been there. Yeah, she never she never talked about uh, President Trump's relationship with Don Jr. I mean, if he had written a text to the Chinese, whoever, (laughs) I mean, they would have been all over it. I've been over. It's it's like Bill Clinton bringing Monica Lewinsky to family dinner. (laughs) It's like it's just badly absurd. And 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 I have to get a new dress for that occasion, though. And and the attempts to brush this off is like, oh, this is a story about addiction. That oh, this is a tragic story about addiction. I don't think everyone who gets addicted to smoking crack starts selling, you know, influence to the Chinese. That's not like part and parcel of like your third day smoking crack. You're getting wired five million dollars. It's a very big (laughs) crack. And, no, and as you guys pointed true. out, it's also the question of not just Hunter, but Joe. You know, this is such a convenient way of deflecting from the questions about what Joe Biden's role was, whether he got mm-hmm. that alleged five million dollar payment outlined in that FBI informant document, the 1023, uh, and what else he may or may not have gotten. Because because it's one of two things. Very clearly, it's one of two things. Either one, Hunter was unscrupulously parading and his father's good name in front of foreign nationals to try to extort them out of money that God knows he couldn't earn unless they were trying to tap his expertise on Thai hookers or crack rock. (laughs) Or Joe Biden knew he was parading his name around these people and was perhaps doing something about it. It's all part of the love story. One of those two things. Well, it's a love story, Meg. It's a father's (laughs) love. We all know that. Everyone should be so lucky as to have a father who happens to be (laughs) vice president or president and opens the doors, greases the skids for millions of dollars to come from our enemies. All right, let's pause there. When we come back, let's talk about the Trump tape. We'll play it in full and uh, discuss what it means. The guys from Ruthless stay with us for the show. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, The IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances 
owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit tnusa.com slash Megan. Uh, yesterday, when I came back from my two-week vacation, I gave the audience my take on this whole prosecution. There, in any prosecution, there is something called prosecutorial discretion. And even if you know you have the guy, you got to decide whether to actually bring the charges. Charging a former president of the United States would require a very serious exercise of that discretion on whether it's worth putting the country through the kind of tumult that would result in in this kind of charge. I don't think this was the case for all sorts of reasons, not just the country's sake, but the president of Hillary, who also withheld documents, who also destroyed documents that were under federal subpoena, subpoena, knowing that they were responsive, who, unlike Trump, actually does seem to have exposed our state secrets to our enemies via her homebrew server, which they believe at least the Chinese accessed, which is not the case with Trump. What we believe is that he kept them not entirely secure down in Mar-a-Lago. And uh, people just worried after the fact on whether it would have been easy for somebody to access them. But there's absolutely no proof or or actual reason to believe someone did. Okay, so I don't believe this is an appropriate prosecution, and I believe you have to consider it in the light of in light of the five plus year campaign to ruin Trump and charge him criminally and put him behind bars in the first place. When you go back and you look at I just did this for kicks. You look at when Russiagate was breaking and people were talking about how he was a Russian agent, you know, and how he was he had a handler over in Russia when he was the sitting U.S. president being controlled by his Russian handlers and the number of calls for his prosecution, you know, and then even after the um, the Mueller report came out and Bill Barr was like, they, they didn't get him. People freaked out. No, he did get him. There needs to be a criminal prosecution. I mean, they they've been wanting to put Trump in handcuffs from the start. And so now, finally, they went after him in a way they never did with other presidents. They never did with other people like Hillary, who had classified information or national security information because it just fulfills their long held desire. Okay, so that's my disclaimer. But that doesn't stop me from wanting to hear the validity of the actual legal case against him. Um, And this recording that CNN got a copy of is terrible for Donald Trump's legal chances. (laughs) That's my take. It's terrible. Trump went on Brett Baer last week and I believe mischaracterized it. But we're going to play it for the audience and get you guys to weigh in and let the audience decide for themselves. Um, he should not have gone on Brett Baer and talked about the document before we saw the document. We only had a partial transcript of the tape. I said we don't know whether Trump actually had the document. We, he could, it could have been full of bluster. He could have been waving around, you know, his the morning sports scores saying, look at this. I've got something that contradicts Mark Milley calling me a warmonger. I've got a document that proves he was the warmonger. He was submitting plans to me to attack Iran, not the other way around. Could have been absolutely nothing in his hand. Well, (laughs) he kind of tried to go with that defense um, on Brett Baer. But the full audio tape, I think, puts the lie to what he said. Uh, Let's full first play for the audience exactly what he tried to say to Brett in diminishing what it was he waved around 
some meeting involving Mark Meadows book that Trump attended, a couple of members of the press attended and some Trump aides attended uh, that has now become such an issue for him. Ready? You were recording. It wasn't a document. Okay. I had lots of paper. I had copies of newspaper articles. I had copies of magazines. I know it. When I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify. Brent, there was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. Just, I don't think I've ever seen a document from Millie. Very clear defense. It, it was not, I was basically saying I was bullshitting people. I didn't actually have it. Um, you know, it's, I, I had just <laughs> newspapers. That's all I was waving around. Well, maybe this was bullshit. Like maybe what you're about to hear was him bullshitting. Uh, let's let the audience decide. Here is the full two minute tape of Trump um, with that alleged document. Bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know, but against you. That's well, it started right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a coup. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right. Trying Millie, to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said, that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look, this was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. Pages long. Look. Wait a minute, let's see here. Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is like highly confidential secret. (laughs) This is secret information. Look look at this. You attack and. Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. She'd send it it to Anthony Weiner, the pervert. By the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. And you know, he said, he wanted to attack Iran and what? And he said, you did. Wow. This was done by the military, given to me. Oh, God. Uh, I think we can probably, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to de-classify. figure out. A, a, yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. No, I can't. You know, but this is. Yeah, now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's so. I'm look. We here and I have. And you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, it's, I believe. It's incredible, you. right? No. They, hey, bring they some. Uh, bring some coats in, please. <laughs> I mean. I was waving around a newspaper article is not going to cut it. He says this was done by the military and given to me. These are the papers. It's highly confidential. This is secret information in the newspaper. It's not it's not going to work. They got him. They got him on this particular issue. He should not have given that interview to Brett Baer in that way. What do you what do you guys think? Oh, yeah. I mean, where do you start? Um, the Cokes was a nice touch, I guess he was trying to provide refreshment for the assembled. Um, (laughs) no, look, I, I, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, 
But it strikes me that when you have audio of your client talking about the inadvisability of sharing the documents that he is sharing on audio, that's not a great start. Right. Um, the Brett Bear thing is a total mystery to me. And Brett did a great interview, as he always does. But it, I can't imagine anybody being put in a situation where they have a federal indictment against them and they're just sort of like winging it on air. Yeah, I mean, you just freedom. don't talk about it. He's risking his freedom. Why is he doing yeah. that? It was absolutely foolhardy to to speak of even Trump should be able to say, obviously, I can't speak about that because these guys are trying to put me in jail. That would have been a totally acceptable answer that did not show any weakness. It would have shown a rational assessment of what the risks are to him in this prosecution. That was an insane thing to do, especially given that there does appear to be a specific document. Now, they haven't found the document. They haven't found the document. It wasn't found in those Mar-a-Lago boxes, but they never searched Bedminster. And if you read the indictment, it says Trump wound up taking a bunch of these documents to Bedminster, his golf club up in New Jersey. And they decided for whatever reason, maybe because of PR and so on, not to raid Bedminster. So honestly, that that document could be sitting there right now. I have no idea, but it certainly sounds like Trump had it in his hand that day and understood, as he said, it was secret. It was highly confidential. It had not been declassified. That's not even the issue at this point. The classification is just whether it relates to national defense. Um, And and more more importantly, uh, specifically says in here that the military gave it to him. The military did it and give it to him and recognize that it would have been inappropriate to share unless it was declassified, which it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, going back to the the preface of, of your thoughts on this charge and the advisability of whether or not they should have prosecuted this at all. I have a little bit of different take than you, Meg. I think it's it's possible to be deeply concerned about two systems of justice here. I think it's possible to be deeply concerned about what, where these leaks are coming in the course of a prosecution of one political party versus another political party without defending what is a pretty serious underlying charge. And I, I That's think how that I feel these too. All where, where do we disagree? I, but I, well, because I, I think whether or not you bring a charge against Trump, I think you have to, if you believe this to be true, and this audio suggests that it very well could be, I think the government has no choice to bring a charge. I think they should have brought a charge against Hillary Clinton as well. I think anybody who has classified documents. But but Holmes, mm-hmm. they didn't bring the charge I, I, against Hillary Clinton. And, and I realize it, it's it's not Comey still at the FBI. It's a different uh, attorney general. But but that it doesn't matter. Like it's it's the office's priors that matter, not not yours specifically as Merrick Garland. Yeah, no, no. And I, but I think there are two separate tracks of what you've got to do here. I think almost every Republican presidential candidate has suggested that amongst the first things they do is rework the whole FBI, rework the entire Department of Justice to make sure that we actually have a justice system again and not one that benefits the political party, one political party in particular. And then there's a separate issue of how you deal with crimes. I don't think that you can excuse criminal behavior for anyone because the other party got away with it. I think that the but only yeah, answer to this say that is in the vacuum that 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 vacuum. And I look as as a general principle floating around out there, I agree with you, but you can't disassociate that statement from 
what happened with Hillary, what's happening right now with Hunter that we spent the first half hour talking mm-hmm. about. You just can't you, you you can't ignore criminal behavior. They're doing it right now. Yep, y- exactly. But, but if you do that, you perpetuate the end of this country itself. This is a country that is a democracy that relies exclusively on the trust of the American people. If half of this country believes that they are never going to get a fair shot simply because of their political affiliation, one of two things happens. Either they all become Democrats or the country erupts into civil war. You don't have a choice when you're operating in a place like America, but to try to figure out how to get back to what our founders intended as a government for the people and by the but people. How do you start with Trump? T- how, I, get, I get what you're saying. Totally get what you're saying. And look, I, I, I wrestle with this because I read that indictment and was shocked and horrified, if it's true, of the way Trump behaved in response to this subpoena in particular. Um, but how do you start writing that ship with Donald Trump? the former president, the likely GOP nominee, that that's not the one to start with. What what maybe there was a way where they could have come out and done to him what they did to Hillary Clinton, the big I think the, look at all the I, terrible I, shit I think, he did. But we're not going to charge I, I, because this office has a prior history with Hillary Clinton. Right. It would divide the nation. But you have the right to know what we found, what he did. May, all right. Maybe that would excuse the Mar-a-Lago raid. But we stopped short of criminally charging the former president of the United States. Go ahead, Duncan. I think the problem for Donald Trump, and I think it's sort of his Achilles heel when he steps on all these rakes all the time, is he makes himself intimately involved in all of these decisions, right? And he always has to take the bait, the bait here. Like This is a memoir for Mark Meadows, and he right. has to correct the record on Millie in this thing. Like He has to True. do it. He has to pull up the documents and correct them. He can't ever take a pitch and just be like, well, I can't do this. I can't try to correct the record. He fights for every inch. And that's what always gets him in trouble is it's him personally on tape saying the thing he shouldn't do and doing it. And that unfortunately is his problem and his legal liabilities, his ability to not just shut up. He can't. So I think I I, I take it in the opposite tack of I think that's actually a strength for Trump in this instance. It's clearly not. Here, here's Here's why is because we know he's doing it because like you just said, he it's all about him. It's a very, it's an egotistical move to be like, oh shit, look, I've got classified documents on my desk. Why would the Biden family get involved in this is because of money. They're selling out this country. Right. Why did Hillary get involved in this? Same thing. She's power hungry, trying to make money. The same reason that, you know, the Clinton Foundation essentially raided Haiti, according right. to many people. So I think that is something that needs to be considered, especially when there is a very evident two tiers of justice in this country is, you cannot unilaterally disarm, especially not when they're trying to take down the opposing party's leading candidate. Like now is not the time to be like pontificating of, well, you know, I don't think the founding fathers would have liked this to happen. Sure, they wouldn't have, you know, but when they got pushed, what did they do? They fought back. So we can't allow only one party to control the justice system, throw our hands up and say, well, we can't do that. That'd be too mean. They have no qualms about it. They have no qualms about exercising their power whatsoever to maintain this grip that they have on the country. All all I'm saying is if Joe Biden was on tape saying, here are the documents showing that I did work with my son, Hunter Biden, and to set up these accounts and get this money from China. And that was on. That would be different. He was indicted. We, we but that would, would say, be different. You know what? This Should what's different about this, Duncan, that what's different about this, the reason why this, in my view, one of the many should not have been charged. It's the exact same crime as Hillary's. It's the exact same. If Joe Biden, if they went after Joe Biden, if they actually investigated this stuff we talked about in half hour one and found yeah. that he did 
work with Hunter to cut a deal with the Chinese and influence peddled in a way that was inappropriate or traded favors to get that Ukrainian prosecutor fired so that his son could stay on the Burisma board while he was the sitting vice president. That's a huge, huge deal. That is a crime. It, it was something that would have gotten him impeached as the sitting vice president and so on. That's not this. This is a much lower situation. We're talking about document management. You know, Hillary had the homebrew server. She had the phone. She had all the stuff that she shouldn't have had. And then compounding her mistakes to be charitable, to use that word. She then blew off a federal subpoena, ignored it and destroyed her phones and documents and responsive uh, material. That's what Trump did. Now, it, it take apart the issue that he could have declassified because the way this this thing was charged, it really doesn't come down to classified information. They don't have to prove that they're saying you held national security information that you had no right to. Trump t- keeps trying to deny that these were classified, that he's fighting the old fight. He's fighting the, the fight he thought he had before he actually saw the indictment. He needs to update his defense. The, 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 the right. charge against him has to do with him holding national security information that he wasn't entitled to hold that belongs to the United States, not to him. He doesn't get possession. He doesn't get ownership of the documents just because he was president. He continues to try to think, say that he did. He, d- he didn't. There's no question about that under the law. He didn't own the documents just because he was the president. Okay, so that's an important thing to remember. But it's the same thing. What he did and what she did, it's the same on each front. Right, right. And they didn't charge her. Except for one component there, Megan, I think, is right or wrong. And obviously, we think what Hillary Clinton did was wrong in creating this homebrew server and everything. She worked with her lawyers who worked with the Justice Department on the emails. Of course, when they deleted the 30,000 emails that said was about yoga appointments, I don't agree with that. But she worked through her lawyers. Donald Trump, if you read the if it is to believe the obstruction component of this indictment, which is a very specific talking indictment, which goes through the minute by minute and hour by hour in which Donald Trump told his lawyers one thing and then had this not a guy doing another thing and then signed a piece Duncan, of paper what saying, you're saying, yes, saying I have reviewed all the documents. She- no, but what you're really saying, I'm saying he, with that comment he undermined is his own. She had corrupt lawyers, lawyers and he didn't No, She had yeah, corrupt right. lawyers yeah. and he didn't. Yes. That doesn't yes. make Trump yeah. more guilty. That doesn't no, that makes no, them both you. flouters no, of the law. He's a good man. He's innocent. What I'm saying is, is legal jeopardy aside. The fundamental mistake that he made is he got himself intimately involved in all of this stuff with the lawyer rather than just let the lawyers do lawyer things. Well, he I mean, tried you know, to, to the point you just made. He, he did try to get his lawyer to do the d- dirty work. And the lawyer's like, holy shit, he's trying to get me to break the law <laughs> yeah, and made right, a tape. Right. Went back to his office and said, hello, dictaphone, keep a record. He's going to get me. And he, in the end, he, you know, the, the lawyer saved his own skin, which most lawyers would. And that's why they were able to pierce the attorney client privilege, because the, law, the judge said th- that was Trump trying to commit a crime and you can't cloak that in attorney client privilege. But yeah, I mean, all this brings me back to I, I believe I believe that this shows Trump did break the law, that he had a document he wasn't entitled to have and that he should have turned it over in response to the subpoena. I'm not surprised by that. That's how this indictment sounded. Now, indictments usually fall apart to some extent before you go to court, but the federal indictments don't usually fall apart that much. Um, but it, it still doesn't. It, it's almost a jury nullification issue. And it's like you can call it prosecutorial discretion. You can call it jury nullification, which I believe will be essentially Trump's defense at trial to try to nullify the jury with just ubiquitous press coverage saying like Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. And I didn't and I had the right to do it all. But it doesn't make the charging decision any more just or right that 
if I had been Jack Smith and stumbled upon this tape, I would have let the public know. I would have wrapped this thing up saying I'm not going to charge it. I'm using my discretion not to charge it. But I'm going to tell you what I found. This is an electoral issue. Is Trump fit to hold the office? Is this a man you want to re-entrust with the federal secrets? Same way we got to decide with Hillary, right? Um, and, and the electorate is answering right now, we don't give a shit. <laughs> that's what the Republicans are saying. Um, that's and that's point. fine. They can say that, right? They can say that. But the, this, mm. the Democrats and the DOJ are trying to take it out of the hands of the electorate and put this guy in jail where he will be unless he can find a, a jury that he can nullify, which is possible down in Florida, or he can get himself or another Republican elected who will pardon him. All right, let me pause it there. There's more to discuss. Love talking to you guys. Um, but we're going to squeeze in a quick, quick break. Don't forget, while you're over at YouTube, checking out The Ruthless Guys, check out The Megan Kelly Show live. If you want to watch us live, you can listen to us on SiriusXM Triumph channel. If you want to watch us, you go to YouTube.com slash Megyn Kelly and you can check out the audio podcast as well, wherever you get your podcasts for free. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, The IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, Even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit TNUSA.com slash Megan. What does it say about the Republican Party that the next guy down is Ron DeSantis, who, who is running the most openly fascist campaign I think I've ever seen? And I'm saying that having covered Donald Trump. Their second choice is a guy who is worse than Trump. So it's a threat to what it means really to be an American. And I think we have to realize that and address it accordingly. Okay. I used to have Stuart Stevens on my show all the time when I was hosting The Kelly File. He was like a normal Republican. He was a former Bush guy. Now he fits in perfectly at MSNBC. You are back with the host of Ruthless, my guest today here on The Megyn Kelly Show. They are Josh Holmes, Comfortably Smug, Michael Duncan, and John Ashbrook. Find them now on YouTube.com slash Ruthless Podcast. And later today, I'll be excited to talk to you. It's been a while, so we're going to take calls. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, the number is 833-44-MEGYN, 833-446-3496. All right, guys. So he's worse than Trump. They covered Trump and they know DeSantis <laughs> is worse than Trump. This is about being an American. And I guess if you ro- vote for Ron DeSantis, you aren't one. Yeah. Well, if you vote Republican, you're you're not one. Yeah. Which is right. actually, you know, for Sue Stevens, something that he's been able to ensure as a Republican consultant for quite some time, that every Republican <laughs> that he has uh, advised or supported in the course of his tenure basically comes up on the short end of the stick. So remarkable consistency in that regard, I might add. He's well been done. very dedicated for helping Republicans lose for a long time. <laughs> it's a flawless and, record. <laughs> and you know, what is just fascinating to me is that if once they meet Tim Scott, as soon as he becomes the number three, the number two, the number one, he's even more fascist. Yeah. Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's right. And a white supremacist. They'll they'll label him that very soon. Look, I'm exactly. sure. That's what they did to Larry Elder in California. Yeah, I mean, it's not a joke. They, they'll do the it LA to Times Nikki Haley. A terrible publication. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the numbers, though. I, I'm just setting it because all along, you know, people, it's like Bill Maher said that uh, people think DeSantis is Trump without the baggage. Sure. That's that's not how he will be if he becomes the nominee. They will make him worse than Trump, worse than Trump. You heard it right there. Don't kid yourselves, folks. They'll never let DeSantis get away with Trump without the baggage. The media will make him worse than Trump. Um, mm -hmm. He is worse than Trump when it comes to the polls. <laughs> the polls, I, you know, you guys tell me because my impression is I don't remember whether we've specifically discussed this or not, but my my impression is you guys like DeSantis and would be happy if he were to become the GOP nominee. And yet the, the guy cannot get any traction. I mean, he just cannot get past the gorilla. He can't do it no matter what poll it is, no matter where in the race it is. You know, there was a time several months ago before any indictments where it was like getting a little better for him. And then the indictment changed everything in the favor of Donald Trump, like the first indictment in New York. Not, never mind the latest one. I'll just give you some of the numbers and you tell me what you think. Real, real clear politics average shows Trump ahead of DeSantis by an average of 31 points. Oh, my God. 31. The latest poll in the Real Clear Politics average is from Emerson, shows Trump above DeSantis by 38 points. Um, in Iowa, where DeSantis has been putting all of his efforts, you know, it's, I think he realistically thinks if he could win Iowa, he could get some momentum going. He could get some you know, chatter about himself as opposed to Trump in the media. Uh, Trump spent absolutely nothing in Iowa. DeSantis has got the whole state covered in people and resources. Trump remains up 21 points over DeSantis in New Hampshire. Trump remains up 22 points over DeSantis. And then there was a recent poll that just was released, I think, today. Uh, no, it was from Monday, uh, released from NBC, showing Trump is up 29 points over DeSantis. That's nearly double Trump's lead in the same poll from just April. He's the more he gets indicted, the more his numbers go up. So how do you handle that if, if you're Ron DeSantis? Yeah, I mean, look, DeSantis is still very much solidified in the number two spot. I mean, he's got a, a big gap between him and, and the rest of the field. I mean, typically what happens in the summer uh, going into primary season is it's a pretty stagnant time other than sort of one or two moments or events you have a, a, a campaign kickoff, an announcement. Typically, candidates get some kind of a bump out of that. And you saw like Chris Christie and Tim Scott and others go from zero to seven to eight. Nikki Haley kind of had the same thing following her announcement. DeSantis didn't, right? And we've covered the reasons why he didn't have a bump out of that. But I, I'm not surprised that he hasn't moved the numbers when all of the news is Donald Trump. And Trump has basically consolidated the protest vote at this point. And he's got his base, which is probably 30, 33 percent. That's not going anywhere ever. Um, and then you've got the rest of this sort of angst ridden conservative electorate that sees him as a protest against the Biden administration and against two systems of justice, against all of the things that are concerning them about the way that America is is running in the direction that we're going. <clears throat> what I would look at more specifically as we get into the fall, though, is the A, the debates, yeah, which I think is a, a big sort of moment of truth for everybody on stage to say, does this person 
have the capacity to be on this big stage and lead our country. And you put them both on the same playing field for the same time. And that goes for all the candidates. And then second, when you get into the retail politics of Iowa itself and New Hampshire and South Carolina after that, you're making a more direct case of why not that guy and go with me. At this point, the contrasts have been sort of light. Other than Chris Christie, there's not a whole bunch of people that are taking the knives out at this point. It's more like an introductory tour. You try to raise your name ID, introduce yourself to people. That really is not conducive to big movement in the polls. What ultimately moves this stuff is when you can change people's mind about where they're at. Because let's be very clear, DeSantis needs to take 20% out of Trump's hide. And that's it's not going to be consolidating the rest of the electorate. I thought maybe that was a path for him at one point in January or February of this year where he could consolidate an anti-Trump uh, electorate. But that's not the path he's chosen. He's no. chosen to do the, the, the Trump light or Trump without the baggage, as you said, Megan, and that requires taking those votes right out of his column. And he's got his work cut out for him in Iowa. We had a uh, top advisor for the Trump campaign on the show recently, and he was walking through everything that they're doing in Iowa. They have hired so many people and they're professionalized in a, at a level that Trump wasn't in 2016. So they've built up a defense precisely against this DeSantis effort to try to pull it out at Trump's hide in that state. And, and a couple of things. First off, I want to say is I, I, I think I speak for all of us in that we like all the Republican candidates. Joe Biden's been an absolute disaster for this country. So we are not like picking and choosing right, yeah, who right. we want. All of them are, are fantastic when you compare them to Joe Biden. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I think there is right now such a long time until a single vote is cast in any primary. The Iowa caucuses are in March of 2024, right? Mm -hmm. It, it, going back eight years, it's been that long. It was mid-June of 2015 when Donald Trump first announced, right? This time he announced way earlier. Essentially, we have a, a, a far stretched out primary season, right? And, and like Holmes said that you have very stagnant movement during the summer before any of the primaries happen. Like this is a long time out. At this point, Jeb Bush was ahead of Donald Trump. You never know what could happen, especially given the climate where Democrats are hell bent on prosecuting Republicans running for office. So anything could essentially still happen. Um, I would say that a, a great point that's been made is I would advise DeSantis to make the contrast a little bit clearer of you can't offer people. I'm going to be kind of like Donald Trump because, I mean, you know, why would you go for uh you know, Diet Coke, we can get the real thing. Well, he has to make the argument on electability, right? Because you look at that NBC poll that you cited earlier, Megan, um, where he's up, you know, by a huge margin in the Republican primary. In the general, Donald Trump is losing to Biden by four points. And DeSantis is tied with Biden in that same poll. And so, mm -hmm. you know, to, to the extent that we've been critical of Donald Donald Trump on, on our show, I think it's you look at the the cross tabs on polls like that and you look at his uh, his fave unfave with a general electorate and he's, you know, negative 21. Right. And so, like, what is Donald Trump going to do different in 2024 if he's the nominee than he didn't? He's going to get indicted two more times. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so so what are you going to do differently to, to change to change the outcome? And so if you're Ron DeSantis, you got to be sharpened in the knives on electability because you you have to think that there's enough people in the Republican primary electorate who are angst ridden, like you said, Holmes, who want to win. 
right? Because essentially every primary voter has two levers in their hands. I want a fighter and I want a winner. How much do they want a fighter and how much do they mm. want somebody who's going to win? And how those things are calibrated impacts how you're ultimately going to vote in Iowa, which like you said, Smug, is still months and months and months away. So it's all hypothetical way, now. But when it, you get, why, you get I, you into said that in caucus, March, do you Mark. want to win? Can you explain March? March of, I mean, back in my day, Iowa used to be January. And I just asked my team, is it like, when is it? They and they were like, the, it's they someplace between date, January yeah. and March. Why? How do they not the have estimate, a date? So yeah. the the estimate is that's going to be in March this time. And in the, in the previous cycle, it was in February. So they keep pushing the date a little bit. And, and, and by announcing in November of well, last year, Trump extended, you know, the primary season just that much more. Yeah. That's so confusing. OK, but that's good. I mean, more time, I think, is good for, you know, Ron DeSantis. Right. He needs he needs a runway to to close that gap. Um, and all the candidates. I mean, and all yeah. of them. Right. I mean, yeah. The one thing that I, I mean, think realistically, that... is there another candidate after Ron DeSantis? I mean, with with respect, I like all those guys, too. I mean, I, I, I could potentially vote for any one of those guys like you guys. But realist. I mean, there's no Christie Christie is not going in. <laughs> no. Not happening. I mean, again, it, I remember on that uh, Bill Maher show when uh, they asked Ann Coulter who she thinks is going to win. And she said Donald Trump and everyone laughed at her. Yeah, yeah. I think it is comp like it is the, the wildest sport there ever is. You can never know who's going to win until voters hit those booths. I mean, I, mean, I think, true. again, his victory over Hillary is another perfect example. Of that. Strange things happen in those first few contests. I mean, just recall, Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, that's almost impossible to remember, but but that did happen. But was there, I mean, I'm trying that. to remember whether there was an election, because I remember the Jeb Bush lead, and then you know what happened? He sat down with me at Liberty University, and he said some controversial things about Iraq, and his poll numbers went off the cliff. That, Why'd yeah, you have I to do them like that, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> I, it was like a foreseeable question I was asking about Iraq, given that it was anyway. I like Jeb Bush, but that it didn't go well for him, and the things changed dramatically. Um, I'm, was there another election in which the front runner was up thirty-eight points and then fell off the I mean, cliff? I, he was crushing Joe Biden. I, I think he won he, Iowa and New Hampshire, and then they cut some secret deal in South Carolina. But he was just oh, Bernie Sanders. Well, Bernie was, but Pete, I guess Pete also stole it, but he won in he, Iowa and New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, Joe, had a, he was down yeah. fourth he or fifth up in the first. He wasn't 40 points. But, no, but, like, but that, that contest was a lot more concentrated and squished in terms of the numbers, the Democratic primary last time around you're talking about, than this. I mean, I'm not making an argument for Trump. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious as an electoral watcher whether somebody's ever in the number two spot or worse overcome that kind of a deficit. I mean, this is a big one. And the consolidation for Trump, I think, is, you know, as a result of being a former president, more, much more significant than you typically get in an out of party, uh, out of power party in a primary. So, I mean, look, there's a bunch of things that he's got going for him, for sure. But it is not out of the realm of possibilities that things happen on the way to a victory here. I mean, you look at Somebody like Howard Dean in 2004 that had a pretty commanding lead. John Kerry wasn't even really registering at that point and got the Democratic nomination. There have been episodes over the years where you've had somebody that you didn't. I mean, look, Bill Clinton in 1992 was a, a it was another one of those situations where uh, didn't look to me like he was putting much together. And then all of a sudden went on to steamroll. I'm not saying that that's definitely going to happen in here, but I it's definitely not over. Let's just put it that way. Mm hmm. Well, I it's it, I mean, like the whole thing is. Seeming to me 
like it's playing out exactly the way the Democrats want. Am I wrong? They want I know that they'd love to see Trump in jail. They'd love that. But I mean, it's funny. They the way equally they want him to be the nominee because they think they can the beat him. Yeah, like those, that's helpful <laughs> keep, for them. Yeah, what did you say, Smug? Say, really again, say it again. I said it's helpful. They can guide the way things go when you control the Justice Department and the media. Yes, I mean, that's pretty helpful. <laughs> True. In higher education, but don't you think and higher education corporations? You guys are in this yeah. line of work for a living. Do you think this is playing out the way they wanted and planned? I I think it is. I mean, if you talk to them consultants, and I talked to a few of them here and there, just to stay honest on what's actually happening out there and whether I'm, you know lying to myself about Republicans chances, every single one of them say that they have a very hard time turning out their base with some sort of key motivating factor It one in a couple cycles ago it was Obama. Last cycle, it was Trump. And they think that there is no chance that they can turn out their electorate for old man Joe Biden unless they have something like Donald Trump on mm-hmm. the other side. Yeah. And, mm. and, and honestly, that's why you hear these Democrat talking points from Stuart Stevens and MSNBC and all the rest saying that, Oh, Ron DeSantis is worse than Donald Trump because that, that that's their only hope is that yeah. they can sell to their base that this guy is something worse if somehow Ron DeSantis is able to overcome Trump in the primary. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I'll and add you don't to have that to by look telling further. you uh, there's a new CNN poll that was just conducted in June saying only 33 percent of the American electorate in the poll has a favorable opinion of Donald Trump. Only 32 percent have a favorable opinion of Joe Biden. Um, CNN noting that usually most Americans like at least one of the candidates running for president. <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't. They don't like these two, the front runner on the GOP side or the actual sitting president at all. So to your point, what would motivate Joe Biden's the, the, the Democrat electorate, never mind writ large, all of us, they can't stand him. So how do you get them to go vote for him? No, they can't. They know they can't. And they know that that's their that's their Achilles here is that they have a candidate who's got one foot in the grave and they're already thinking about what sort of flower arrangements they want to spend. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and by the way, the, the only person who makes Joe Biden and Donald Trump look popular is Kamala Harris. Her numbers are oh, absolutely totally. dreadful. I, I don't have them in front of me, but my God, she's the the, the stat yes. was she's the least liked vice president in American history. And may I remind yes. you, we used to have Dick Cheney who was not exactly beloved when he was in office, her numbers are worse. Yeah, Megan, she's 17 points underwater. And that's a, that's an NBC poll. So that's not exactly a Republican pollster who's saying that she's the most uh, she's the most unpopular ever. She is awful. And Democrats know that that makes their case even worse. Well, I mean, it, it also closes their options, right? I mean, they're looking they know the same thing that we're looking at. You saw that MSNBC or the NBC poll where they had 68 percent of the electorate, including 43 percent of Democrats that say that Joe Biden's unfit. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't like him or he's not doing a good job, that he's like literally physically, physically and mentally, mentally, and mentally unfit <laughs> for office. And you might ask yourself, like, how how is that possible to overcome? Well, I mean, as you've mentioned on our show today, John Fetterman is a pretty good example of how Democrats yeah. consolidate around that. Right, right. I mean, they can vote as long as you point. have a baseline <laughs> pulse. You can get to 51 percent. But it, but it's also closed out their options in that they have to go with Joe Biden. And so. To Ashbrook's point, I mean, there was a great piece in Axios the other day that said, what's the plan for 2024 for Joe Biden? Well, same as 2020. And and they go on to outline how they're going to talk about all the base stuff that they did in the first year of this presidency, which only, only 
appeals to a base Democratic electorate. Mm. It is deeply unpopular with everybody else. So it's trying to keep them on board. And then you just hide them in the basement. You come out with no new proposals. They were contrasting that to like all these Republicans were talking about different things that they would do to try to improve the country. And the Biden camp says, nope, we're not going to do any of that because we're not going to create news. We are banking on the other side nominating Donald Trump. And we can do the same thing in 24 that we did in 20, which is just say, I'm not him. I'm going to sit in my basement and I'm going to be hooked to a cardiograph for the next six months. And again, I think the Fetterman point is great because that was yet another instance of the only animating factor that Democrats could have is Donald Trump. They said, this is Donald Trump's guy we're running against. Don't vote for Donald Trump's guy. So he is a huge motivator for Dems to get out. They used him in the midterms. Anyone who could be associated with Donald Trump ended up losing the general. Yeah, that's fact. Mm -hmm. Well, they clearly don't want fit on the Democratic side, which somebody should tell RFK Jr. Um, because he, <laughs> he, he's all over Twitter in the last 24 hours. I'm sure you guys saw this because he yeah. put out a videotape of him shirtless and he's, he's 70 years yeah. old. Is he 69 or 70? Um, he's 69 years old doing push-ups. Here he is. He wants you to know that this is the last 10 of the many, many sets of 10 that he was doing, which is why he ran out of gas in the last nine or 10. Um, I'm not seeing looks- a full extension there either. I, I feel like that's a short push up. You got to I mean, the man is built like a truck. Let's see it all the way up. huh? <laughs> well, we don't know how many sets of 10 he had done, but he put this out and he the caption was getting in shape for my debates with President Biden. Of course, those are the debates that are never going to happen because the Dems won't allow it, even though 80 percent of the Democrats say it should happen. But the party leaders are in charge. He says, um, as president, I will restore America as the global example of health and well-being, not through pills or syringes, but through character and self-discipline. And I will continue to walk the walk and lead by example. Uh, the thread went on about physical fitness and how to turn it around for yourself. And then you got all these people on the Internet. It's <laughs> so funny. People have time on their hands that the guys from Ruthless do not have. Okay, they put together threads of shirtless RFK Jr. photos over the years to make the argument that today's RFK Jr. is clearly on steroids in their view because you don't look better. Look, there he is with JFK Jr. and RFK Jr. together. That that you don't look better with more muscles at 69 than you did when you were 39 or 49. What say I, you, I, my jurors? I don't know. I think Jack LaLanne would beg to differ. <laughs> and apparently he's running for president right now. It's the perfect contrast to old man Joe Biden. And I mean, they must know it because they're putting him out left and right. Do I, I honestly can't wait to see what exercise this, this guy dude, this dude's going to march around the Iowa State Fair in a banana hammock before this thing's over. I mean, this is, this, this is some of the most this is like erotica. It's bordering on complete uh, pornography. I'd say the dude, dude I mean, look really good. The dude is shredded. He was on incline. Putting up, I think it was 110, but he said it was like the last set of the day. He said he was putting up two, 200, 200 plus well, earlier. He's, he's got the for bu- seven he's got, year old. He's got the bulk. Now he needs reps for toning. I mean, that's what he's doing. <laughs> you know, I, I have mean, to say, I, I do not believe he would be so bold as to say I'm going to be an example of health without syringes and pills. And then do, I don't I don't, he I don't he doesn't strike me as that flagrantly dishonest a man. I know people have the wrong impression of, of him, but. I don't think he would have said that if he were on steroids. Not that there's anything wrong. A lot of guys, when they get older, take testosterone, which I realize is like not exactly the same thing. But or is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, don't totally understand. Well, maybe, maybe they should. You know, if, if 
if Democrats are trying to be transparent, maybe they should allow Joe Biden's doctors to do a full workup on RFK and allow RFK's doctors to do a full that's workup what, on that's Joe the, Biden. That's Never. a great idea. Or just straight up meet him at Venice Beach, go to Gold's Gym and see who, who can run the Democrat Party. <laughs> <laughs> arm wrestle. All right. Wait. So while we're talking about the fashion and the wait. banana hammock, I got I got I got. Go ahead. Did you want to say something, Holmes? No, I was just going to say, like, I'm sorry that we couldn't provide more insights on uh, male supplements for you. It's unfortunately not part of our gig. We'll look into it for the next show. though. Yeah. But but I, I think you're going to like this next segment because you do have I know you have thoughts on sexy man dress. Oh. <laughs> Silence. This, they don't know what I'm talking about. Is this the guy who's stealing luggage? No, I don't. Is this a Biden guy who is <laughs> Sam like, Brinton? Yeah, it... No, different kind of sexy man dress. Sexy man dressing. Uh, I'm afraid of what way. you are going to do here. I, I'm <laughs> deeply afraid. You just watch and learn, sir. The Wall Street Journal wants you to know that if you think dressing sexily is only for women, you're wrong. No one talks mm. about it, they write, but men sometimes want to look hot too. Here's how to turn heads without looking sleazy on date night. Could you be dressing? Sexier, asks the article, a guide for men. OK, you may or may not understand. I mean, like, look at you. You clearly do understand. It's obvious to anyone. OK. Oh, that <laughs> is very, very kind. <laughs> Thank you. We Would you like to stand up and show us your well-fitting pants? Well-fitting pants are key to your outfit. Do you have well-fitting pants on? Yes. Do you have no fitting pants on? It's what he's got. <laughs> Do you have outfits with alluring textures? Think cashmere, suede, or even eyeleted cotton. Do you have that on? Oh, oh, that that strikes me as a potential problem for many reasons. I don't know what kind of <laughs> cotton that that is, but it's, it <laughs> seems like maybe the thinner variety. I I'm not sure that doesn't break several taste barriers. Well, I'll tell you what. Literally, like a, you know, a nice cashmere shawl collar in... makes the girls go crazy on date night. <laughs> I'm looking at three men in sweatshirts, hoodies, and there's Smug yeah. in his signature vest. It's like fleece vest. So, okay, but listen, yeah. I, I can help you. Okay, I can help you. The Wall Street Journal has done our work for us. Here's a couple of don'ts. All right, polos so shrunken they suffocate your biceps. Not sexy. Mm. Got it? Can't Saran wrap tight okay. jeans with a phone and a wallet bulging from the pockets. They say that's. <laughs> The most powerful contraception, contraceptive known to man. I don't know. Bulging wallet. That can be attractive. (laughs) (laughs) This whole thing with the word bulge is just not the direction I thought this was going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Okay, look, if you want it, maybe you want to go beginner sexy. All right. You guys might want to just try beginner sexy. Beginner sexy is buttonless polo. I had to look that up. There's like a little polo Mm. shirt you can get. That looks like any polo shirt, but instead of having the buttons on the little collar, it has nothing. It's just like a little V oh. with a tiny collar. So that's uh, you no, can wear these risque. yellow pants. I, I, right? I look at those pants and that shirt and I think you're ready for the bingo hall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So begin, beginner sexy is out for Duncan. <laughs> intermediate yeah. sexy. Honestly, that's you had a walker and that looks like a Joe Biden outfit. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. How about intermediate sexy? Look at this, guys. Okay. Intermediate sexy is a tea with character. If you can find a fun item that resonates with you, you are on your way to intermediate sexy. Single button what? blazer with sloped shoulders and dark jeans. Let's put it back on the board. What do we think? Dark jeans? That's nice. Could you do this? No, you only wear denim if you're gardening. 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're either a farmer or the boot? you're gardening. No, no, I, I, yeah, you could in certain circumstances. What I can tell you is if you're looking for a shirt with character, you can go to store.ruthless.com and you can figure out how to find one there. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in this belt? What there's like a is there a bell on that belt? Is it a is it like a I don't know. It looks like a, like a spike. I don't that that might be a little aggressive right around that. The male region. Oh, oh yeah. that's. A, I thought that was a keychain. No, that looks oh. like the kind of thing. Remember, remember in the '90s when they'd wear like the spike belts with the chain off yeah, it, a wallet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't rock those jeans. You'd have Jenkos, right? And those would be baggy. Jenkos. Yeah, but look at them, dude. They are. They look super bag. I mean, that. I, what I don't appreciate, and this is just a personal pet peeve, when when it comes to the graphic tees, like have it mean something to you. What the hell is Motorcycle Club Inc? Who the hell are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you need a ruthless <laughs> tea or a Megan or a Megan tea, or, a Megan right? tea. or maybe right? like look a at where you get some merch like or one of these days. Now, yeah, um, I'm not going to show you if you put if you put that one on, she might think, oh, he must drive a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'm not going to show you the ultimate sexy yet. OK, just stand by because I have to tell you a story first. This time last year, I was here. I'm at the Jersey Shore. I do this show from the Jersey Shore over the summer. And um, I, I talked with the guys from Fifth Column about my husband's fashion. Air France had lost all five of our bags. I was lamenting mm -hmm. the loss of so many clothing, items of clothing that we loved. But I said the only person who was happy was Doug because he literally only wears one T-shirt <laughs> and he had it. And it was his, his Mickey Mouse shirt. Doug loves his Mickey Mouse shirt. I think we have the soundbite. Do we have the soundbite? Yes. I actually, while talking about this, pulled Doug into the studio and watch what happened. Oh my God, can you look at this? Look at him. Oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. It's real. It's real. USA. Thank God. I'm taking you shopping, Doug. You and me. I'm glad. He wears it all the time. I mean, if it had legs, it would get up and walk off of him. So we went to France. This year, we took our vacation in France. And um, I posted a picture of Doug. There he is in the Mickey Mouse T-shirt again, which made its way. It's gone all over the world. <laughs> really much Mickey Mouse, <laughs> but not Disney. <laughs> and, does, he, um, does he have multiple versions of this one shirt no, or is it literally just no. one shirt? No, no. That's awesome. he, he That's literally wears that. He's got an RC Cola shirt that he wears as well. <laughs> That's it. Guy, guy likes a, what he likes. This so. is a dude, Megan. You got a great one here. Yeah. This guy, he's he picked it out. He's sticking with it. Yeah, it's work. I mean, Hallie's <laughs> married to Megan Kelly. It's got to be working. Yeah, he right now. <laughs> as long care. as it doesn't show up at Disney in the Disney shirt without your kids, because in that case, charges. <laughs> Too right? much. You can't, so you can't, I have made have fun it. of Doug's fashion for. Many, many years. All right. Like when I first met Doug back in 2006, it was a setup, right? It was a blind date. I show up. You're, you're having your first date. Now, I wasn't well known at the time, but I was on Fox News. I was like a cub reporter. So like he kind of knew who I was. And I was just like, maybe you try a little, right? Like you try a little. It's a sexy girl from Fox News. That's how I wanted to present myself anyway. <laughs> he came to our blind date with high waisted khaki pants with the flat yes. front, high-waisted, and a yellow golf shirt, people. 
a wow. yellow. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like a what king. the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> like <a king. laughs> You're like, man, if he's got the audacity to do that, he must be up to something. This guy sounds like confidence plus. And if he no. was working a pleat, then you really know it's over the top. Like if you have a nice pleat. All I could think was that his prior girlfriend had sabotaged him so that he wouldn't be available or interesting to any other women. And I was just getting the remnants of that. And that, you know, diamond in the rough diamond. We could work together on it. So I've made fun of Doug and his fashion for years. And that is what takes me, folks, to black diamond sexy. This is the top level, according to the journal. Oh, my God. People. There it is. High waisted pants and a yellow golf shirt. (laughs) (laughs) The man's ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. And he's and a, with a beater in there, too. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, I didn't a see that coming, is, but it's nice to know. Is that an Apple watch? What is that? I mean, I don't is know about the vandals, but other than that, it seems like a good setup. <laughs> but, what's, yeah. what, but what was that? What was that? Was that a jewelry or something? Oh, no. I, I don't know. Was it a ring, it a ring like, Kelly McGuire? So, that, oh, it's if it's a pinky it's a ring, ring, then we're really on to yeah. something. Oh, I mean, God. that outfit looks like you're you're ready to be an extra on The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> <This> <laughs> pinky ring with just, mandals. This, this he didn't the, wear that. This was the this was the Jersey consultants. I can definitely see where this was happening. You're just missing a couple of gold chains there, and I think you've got the full the full deal. <laughs> I going called on, him over this morning, guys, when I was reading my packet, and Kelly McGuire showed me these pictures, and I said, "Doug, you've got to look at it." He goes, "All along, he's like you've been mocking me, and I've been black diamond sexy." <laughs> You just didn't understand. He's like, you're the saboteur. You're the saboteur, not the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I love this story. That's fantastic. I thought you'd appreciate that. So there you go. Uh, if you decide to, you know, take your ladies out for a nice special dinner, you should consider the mandals, the pinky ring, and the Doug Brunt high waisted <laughs> pants and yellow. Gosh. You're welcome. Thank you Ruthless. for that uh, advice. That that's good. Thank you, gentlemen. Good. That that could be your first or your next YouTube outfit. You could you could consider that now that you've gone visual. Yeah. <laughs> you've got something here. You've got something here. Fellas, I think we can do oh, that. Yeah. All the best, guys. Great to see you. Thank you, Megan. Thanks Thank so you. much. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit tnusa.com slash Megan. Got a lot of great feedback on our hot crime summer, which was what we did the first week I was gone. A bunch of shows we'd been working on for you guys. Uh, Meg writes in saying, I am grateful for crime week. As crazy as it is in terms of murders, it's a reprieve from the vitriol of politics. I feel the same, Meg. I love crime podcasts and I listen to them all. So it's it's my pleasure to bring them to you, uh, MK style. 
Stephanie writes in, totally enjoyed your crime week. I'm not into crime stories on TV, but listening to them on radio captured my attention. Thank you. Jennifer writes in about turbulence in response to our discussion about the missing plane, MH370, and our pilot turned journalist who really made me and a lot of our audience feel better about turbulence. He said he'd gone up like into the eye of storms and hurricanes for a living for a long time. He said, if you could see firsthand like he has what planes can handle, the amount of turbulence and tumult, you would feel so much better about these minor bumps and whatever that we feel when we're up there. You'd never complain about turbulence. He's like, it's ridiculous to reroute planes because of turbulence. That's just like a comfort check and people need to, need to get tougher. I felt so much better. And so did Jennifer. She writes in, I'm pretty terrified to fly and sit in my seat, white knuckled, asking why isn't the captain saying anything about turbulence? Williams answers about turbulence and why the pilot may not give reassurance was helpful. I have been told turbulence is like a pothole on the road. So I recite that over and over while praying at the same time. Um, some feedback on the HPV debate we had, whether or not to give that to your kids. Jennifer says, thanks so much for having that show. I have two daughters who to date have not been vaccinated for HPV. Despite their pediatrician's advice, it's really tricky. And like you, I do not trust the CDC anymore. Last one here, uh, preferred pronouns. You remember my talking points memo about a week before, I was about a month ago now. Uh, Renee writes in, this is why I'm no longer going to use preferred pronouns. She writes in, your opening monologue from June 2nd has stayed with me. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing to arm your listeners with strong and concise arguments so we can deploy and leverage them when needed in this insane time. That is a lovely compliment, Renee. I appreciate that. Um, Ron also wrote in saying, I just watched your show on pronouns. You nailed it. This BS toward women must stop. It will only happen if everyone stands up and says no more. I'm so glad my daughter's a little older. I did not have to go through this crap. Unfortunately, we're all going through it, Ron, but you're, I take your point. The younger, the worse. So yeah, go ahead and take a look. It's on our YouTube um, timeline, that memo. And uh, it just sort of walks you through why I'm no longer going to do it and my own evolution on this issue as a journalist and a human. Tomorrow, we have another great show for you. Rick Grinnell will be here. Plus, we'll do Kelly's Court with some of our stars, Mark Garagos and Marsha Clark. Such a great panel. Cover all the latest legal news. And there's quite a bit. So we'll see and talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.